you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Of all the places I've been in the world, my favorite place to visit is Europe. And part of what's wonderful about Europe is all over the place, they have these cathedrals that are 800, 1,000 years old. And often, when you're walking into an 800-year-old cathedral, I saw this in Germany, they'll have what they call the Last Judgment Portal. Because above the door in stone is carved out Jesus sitting on his throne, and on his right are the, the Christians smiling, going up into heaven. On his left are the damned frowning, going down into hell. And I'm, I mean, for instance, I was standing in front of this German cathedral from 1200 A.D. And I, and I thought, for 800 years, people, when they walk into that church, have to face Jesus and the second coming. Uh, at the church that I served for 29 years, Hope Lutheran Church here in Minneapolis, we have a big second coming stained glass window, and you see Jesus coming down in the clouds. I think that's good for us to have that before our face, remind ourselves that Judgment Day is coming. We're doing a series now on the parables, if you've been watching our program. Today's parable is the parable of the sheep and the goats and it's all about the Last Judgment. So would you do this? Take out a Bible, if you would. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus tells this parable three days before he dies. Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the sheep and goats. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we do want to pray for everyone watching this program that if they're a goat, uh, and they're not yet a sheep, that you would bring them to saving faith in Jesus. Holy Spirit, come speak to us and teach us through this ancient parable. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. I want you to notice the repeat of the word glory, glorious. First lesson from this parable, being with Jesus is glorious. Recently this week I was talking with some friends about death and people dying, etc., and pray for healing for so-and-so. And I said to them, but you know what's going to happen? When we die and go to heaven, we're going to look back and think, why did I scratch and claw to stay down there? <laughs> we were always praying, God, please heal this person. Sometimes if we could see heaven, we'd let them go. So the first thing to say about uh, uh, this parable is it teaches us being with Jesus is glory. Uh, look at verse 32. Before him, the, Jesus the judge, will be gathered all the nations, 
and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Here's the next lesson. Jesus is the judge. The one you look in the eye on Judgment Day is not God the Father, is not the Holy Spirit. God the Father has placed all judgment into the hands of his Son. So Jesus will judge us. And notice, he judges us. Some Christians think just unbelievers go through Judgment Day. We Christians don't have to go through it. Au contraire. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul writes to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ uh, to receive according to what each has done in the body, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, everybody, Buddhist, atheist, Christian, non-Christian, everybody will be judged on Judgment Day. Look at verse 33. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. I want you to notice here, you're either on the left or the right. There is no middle. You know, I, I saw this man witnessing to a woman. And he said, you know, where do you think you'll go when you die? Oh, I'll go to heaven. Well, why do you think you'll go to heaven? Well, I'm basically a good person. I keep the Ten Commandments. So he took her through the Ten Commandments and showed her how in thought, word, or deed, she'd broken every one of them. And so he said, really, do you still think you're going to heaven because you're good? And she said, well, no, I guess not. Well, do you understand then that you, like me and everybody, you're a sinner and you deserve hell? Well, I don't think I'd go to hell. All right. Well, then where would you go? Well, I'd go somewhere in between. <laughs> and he said, there is no in between. You're a sheep or a goat. You're on the right or the left. It's heaven or hell. Which leads to our next lesson. The first criterion on Judgment Day is who you are. Are you a sheep or a goat? Now, later in, in the same parable, we're going to learn a second criterion is what you do. But that's not the main thing that separates people on Judgment Day. It's who you are. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? So let me ask you the question. Do you know who you are? Do you know you're a sheep? I know church. It's a good church. They preach the Bible and salvation a lot. Ten uh, young adults were in this uh, Bible study, and the question was asked, how many of you are sure you're a Christian? And two hands went up. I think that's tragic. Do you know who you are? Listen, if you're sorry for your sins, if you're trusting Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your salvation, you're a sheep. Know who you are. Look at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Here's the next lesson. Catch those words. From the foundation of the world. Here's the next lesson. God has everything planned out from the foundation of the world. I mean... Um, with all the weird weather we've been having in America the last few years, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, all these people dying, or maybe you've got some horrible problem in your life, the comfort for a Christian is God has everything planned out. He has a purpose for everything, including my sorrows. Years ago, I went to a Presbyterian church for a Lenten service in Duluth, Minnesota. Just went once. That was enough. <laughs> and I like the Presbyterians, but not this preacher. And the preacher gets up during Lent 
and he says, we know that God the Father did not want Jesus to die on the cross. It was not the will of our Heavenly Father for his son to suffer and die. I'm thinking, what? After church, he shook hands, and I waited to be the last, and I was polite, but I said, Pastor, what do you mean it wasn't God's plan for Jesus to die on the cross? Peter, uh, in, in Acts chapter 2, says, this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. I mean, Presbyterians are supposed to believe in predestination. That's their thing. And, and what this verse is teaching, things have been planned out from the foundation of the world. Take comfort in that, especially if you're going through a rough time. God has a purpose in this. Look at verse 35. For I was hungry, and you, the sheep, gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Here's the next lesson. Sheep ask, act like sheep. I mean, if you're a sheep, you feed the hungry, you clothe the naked, you visit the sick, you, you, you love people, you take care of people. And if you never do any of that stuff, are you really a sheep? You know, I bought a cuckoo clock at a garage sale. Weirdest cuckoo clock you, you'd ever want to have. It wouldn't cuckoo, except once every six months out of nowhere, it would cuckoo. And then you'd wait another eight months, and it would cuckoo again. <laughs> but the question I'm going to ask theologically is, if a cuckoo clock never cuckoos, is it a cuckoo clock? Or if it cuckoos twice a year, Christmas and Easter, <laughs> is it a cuckoo clock? And, and, and the point of Jesus' parable here is, if you're a Christian, if you're a sheep, you act like a sheep. You visit the sick, you take care of people, you, you share the gospel. And if you never do any of that, are you a sheep? So, so my question I want to ask for you is the big one today. How are you doing? Do you feed the hungry? Do you use your money to help people? Do you ever visit sick people? Do you comfort people? Do you help? And if you never do any of that, are you a cuckoo clock? <laughs> now, sheep act like sheep. We're not perfect. We won't be perfect till we're in heaven. We sin in thought, word, and deed daily. But we don't have perfection but we do have direction. The direction of our life has changed. And so if you're a sheep, you act like a sheep, you feed the hungry, etc., and when you sin, you repent. I mean, I, I was asked to speak at a Christian college a while ago. It's a good Christian college. I spoke on 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to all these college-age students. Fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're living together, having sex outside of marriage, fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. Afterwards, about five students came up. They were mad at me. And this young woman says, well, listen, I, I, even though I was living with my boyfriend, I know I was saved because I prayed the prayer. I said, what? Well, I had to ask Jesus into my heart. So even though I was living, I, I know I was still saved because I prayed the prayer. I said, no, no, sheep act like sheep. And when they don't, when they sin, they repent. But if you're living in hard-hearted, impenitent sin, you're a goat. <laughs> Look at verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Jesus saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? 
And the king will answer them, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Notice the word brothers. It's, it's not just how you treat anybody. It's especially how you treat his brothers. So here's the next lesson. The way you treat Christians is the way you treat Jesus. I had a program some time ago on, on the TV station here where I spoke against homosexual marriage. Marriage is not a man and a man. It's not a man and five women. It, a marriage is one man. Homosexual marriage is an oxymoron. Homosexual marriage, no, marriage is a man and a woman. <laughs> Boy, did I get some angry, bitter emails. And I had to remind myself, these people aren't mad at me. They don't know me. They're mad at Jesus. Whether you know it or not, the way you treat Christians is the way you treat Jesus. Look at verse 41. Then he, Jesus, will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Here's the next lesson. Jesus will send people to hell. Jesus is not being nice in this verse. I have a conservative Lutheran pastor friend. He finally left the ELCA Lutheran Church because it's so liberal. And he said to me, can I tell you the three tenets of liberal theology? Number one, God is nice. Number two, we too should be nice. And number three, isn't that nice? <laughs> and boy, did he hit the nail on the head. You know, I've gone, uh, I've, I've been going to various churches, just to, I've gone to Catholic churches, Lutheran churches, Methodist churches, Baptist churches, and um, sometimes you hear a good church that really preaches the gospel, but for the majority, it's not that they preach heresy, gratefully, but they don't preach the gospel. They don't preach heaven and hell and you need Jesus. You know what they preach? God is nice. Let's be nice. Isn't that nice? <laughs> In this verse, Jesus isn't being nice. He's sending people to hell. Let's look at verse 41, 42. For, here's the reason he's sending them to hell. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. Now, do you see a problem in those verses, especially if you're a Lutheran? What's the problem in those verses? How are these people saved or damned? According to what they did and did not do. Not believe, but do. Now, what do we do with that? If you've watched this show or if you are a Lutheran, uh, Paul's, Paul's teaching is big that we're saved by grace alone, not by anything we do. And Luther too. I mean, so you don't get to heaven by being good because you're not. You're a sinner. It's only by the grace of God you'll be saved. But in this parable, you're damned or saved by what you did or did not do. So what do we do with that? Well, first of all, remember what separates them initially is who they are, not what they do. They're a sheep or a goat. 
But, but here's the way I put it all together and follow this. I think this will help. Here we go. <laughs> Are we saved by grace alone apart from our good works? The answer to that is yes. Romans chapter 3, we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So that's true. Hallelujah, it's true. However, when you get saved by grace alone, God gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit starts to clean up your life. You won't be perfect. Again, we don't talk about perfection in this life, but we do talk about direction and the direction of your life changes. And when you do act like a goat, you repent. So we're saved by grace alone, but it's amazing grace because God gives you the Spirit and starts to clean up your life. But if you never visit the sick, you never uh, clothe the naked, you never do any of the works that Jesus is talking about here, you've got to ask yourself, are you really a sheep? There used to be a bumper sticker, I haven't seen it for years, but it used to say, if you, were convict, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? And my point is, if a cuckoo clock never cuckoos, it's not a cuckoo clock, and if a Christian never does the works that the Holy Spirit is producing from them, they're not a Christian. Look at verse 46, last verse. And these, the damned, will go away into, note this, eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Last lesson, both heaven and hell are eternal. This is being challenged today. Rob Bell is a nationally known pastor. He writes books, he has videos, and he's just come out with an awful new book saying there is no eternal hell. When you die, you get a second, third, fourth chance. Basically, everybody will end up in heaven. Where does he find that in this verse? This verse talks about eternal heaven and eternal hell. Or the other, that's called, the, 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 universe, the universalistic heresy, it's called universalism, is everybody will end up in heaven, including the devil. That's a heresy. But the other heresy is called annihilationism, that if you don't believe in Christ, you don't go to hell. You just get wiped out. You're annihilated. Where do you find that in this verse? They either go to eternal heaven or eternal hell. I mean, there's two options. There's heaven, hell. There's not a third option, annihilationism. There's not a fourth option, purgatory. There's not a fifth option, reincarnation. When you die, it's eternal life or eternal damnation. Well, let me let's share this and I'll, I'll close. But um, years ago, somebody in my church, after church, took me aside and said, Pastor Tom, how long is eternity? I said, well, it's forever. And he said, eternity is this huge mountain made out of the hardest substance on earth, solid diamond. Once every hundred years, a little bird flies by the mountain, rubs its beak on the top of the mountain, and flies away. hundred years later, that bird comes back, rubs its beak once on the top of the mountain, flies away. hundred years later, comes back. When that huge, solid diamond mountain is worn down to absolutely nothing, the first day of eternity has passed. Have you ever thought of this? When you die, it's either heaven for all eternity or it's hell for all eternity, but it's fixed on the day you die. You can't change it after that. Boy, do we need to be talking to our family and friends about Jesus. I mean, some time ago, I was asked to go visit two different men in the hospital. Both of them were un unbelievers. Both of them didn't attend church. Both of them were sick and dying. 
So, Pastor Brock, would you go, go visit? And I got to admit, when I get those calls, I get a little nervous. And it's kind of nerve-wracking. Hi, Pastor Brock here. You never go to church and you're about to die. How are you? I mean, a lot of times they don't want to see me. But I swallow my nerves because I do get nervous. I pray my prayer, God help and use me. And I go in and, I, and what I did to both of them, I said, you know, we're, we're all sinners. We deserve hell when we die. But God loved us so much that he came down to earth, lived the perfect life we couldn't, died on the cross, rose from the dead. Will you turn to Jesus? I, I did that with both men. I don't know what they did with it. But listen, this kind of a parable in Matthew here makes me remember there's an eternal heaven and an eternal hell. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me this week is, would, would you pray, God, use me, open my mouth, overcome my nervousness, use me to tell people about Jesus so they can spend eternity in heaven instead of hell. That is the main teaching of the parable of the sheep and goats from Matthew chapter 25. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. This portion of the show is your chance to be a part of the show because at the end of the program when you see our website, that's the location you can go to ask a question of Pastor Brock which might be on one of our future shows and we'd encourage you to do that. Pastor Brock, you were talking about eternity and everything and that and about the goats and the sheep. And it kind of brought back a question that we've had before about if God is good and everything, how is he going to allow people who have never heard the gospel mm -hmm. to be condemned to hell? Yeah, yeah. And I always remember somebody making a comment that those people won't be accountable. We as Christians will be accountable because we did not take the gospel to them. I think I, I agree with the second part. <laughs> okay. I think, what does God do with people in deep, dark Africa who never get to hear the gospel? Do they die and go to hell? And I, the answer I've heard to that is nobody goes to hell because they didn't get to hear about Jesus. They go to hell because of their own sin. And the problem is, according to Romans chapter 1, everybody knows there's a God in their heart, and everybody has rejected him. So everybody's in trouble, whether you've heard of Jesus or not. Now, you know, I, I, some people have wiggle room. They say, well, God will judge you. If you never hear about Jesus, he'll judge you by how you lived. Well, that's the problem. We all deserve hell by the way we've lived and thought we're indeed. So I think the only safe thing to do is spend our money and get the missionaries out there. If God has some other thought, that's him, his, his business, but he's revealed to us. I mean, what's for sure, though? I mean, sometimes people use that question as a smokescreen, Jackie. Well, you know, how could God send people to hell who, who, who live in Africa and never heard about him? Well, that's not the issue for you. You've heard about him. What have you done with Jesus Christ? Because the Bible is clear. If you hear about him and reject him, you're in trouble. So, so sometimes you've got to say that to people. You need to turn it around to that person and put them in that position, right? Because right? they've heard, yeah. Okay. Well, here's a qu question from a listener. Why does the Bible say Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights? Because he was crucified on Friday and he rose on Sunday. Right. How do you explain that timeline? This line? is Jewish time reckoning. Let me explain this, okay. Uh, Jesus was in the grave for part of Friday, all day Saturday, and part of Sunday. And for a Jew, a part of a day meant a day. So he spent three days in the, in the tomb because it was partly Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday. So I think that's the best way to answer that question. Um, uh, for instance, uh, 
Jesus said in Matthew 12, as Noah, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, the huge fish, excuse me. So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the fish, of the earth. Uh, again, well, so three nights. He wasn't in there for three nights. Well, again, this is the Jewish mindset that a part of a day meant a day. And so I think uh, Jesus is just talking the way the Jews talk. I think that's the best way to answer that one. Okay. And now we have another question about Mormons. It says yep. that Mormons teach that Jesus and Lucifer are spirit brothers. Is this true? And where, if I it actually, is, where in the Bible yeah, is and this? To correct the question, it's the Jehovah's Witnesses, a different cult. Okay. Uh, oh boy, Mormons sure have good, they have the best advertisements on TV. They'll, they'll, you know, I love my wife and children. I spend time with my wife and children, and I'm a Mormon. And I'm thinking, ugh. Do you know, let's talk about Mormonism real quick. We had on a radio show the great-great-granddaughter of Brigham Young. And she was fantastic. Oh, she was great. And if you want to listen to that show, go to pastorstudy.org and look through the radio shows on Mormonism, uh, the one show on Mormonism. Boy, was she, because um, she does not like Mormonism anymore. She's a born-again Christian. And do you know that Mormons believe in thousands of gods? Not one, thousands of gods. The God we worship didn't used to be God. He became a, more, a God on another planet. And Europe, if you're a good Mormon, you can become God of your own planet and have people worship you. And you know what we say to Mormons from the Old Testament? From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Not you became God on another planet. I mean, Mormonism is not Christianity. I know they love their families. I know they have high morals. But what they do to Jesus is horrible. You know, some, sometimes, Jackie, some people say, well, you know, the Mormons, uh, they're such good moral people. Okay, what they do to Jesus isn't good, but other than that, they're fine. That's like saying, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like to play? <laughs> what you do to Jesus is all important, and they myrtleize Jesus. It's a weird version of Jesus. They'll say he's our Lord and Savior. What they mean by Lord and Savior is different from what we mean. Do many Christians ever convert to Mormon? Um, I, I don't know if Christians would. I think a lot of gullible people would. The other thing is look at Mormon history. They have this Book of Mormon where so, supposedly in South America, you know, Jesus came over to South. There's no archaeological evidence for any of this. And so if you're a Mormon, think about leaving that church. I urge you to leave that church. Now, the question, though, is about Jehovah's Witnesses, which are just as bad. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus and Lucifer, the devil, are spirit brothers that before they came down to earth, they were brothers. There's none of that in the, in the Bible. They also teach that Jesus is the archangel Michael. No, he isn't. It never, in fact, the whole, read Hebrews chapter 1. The whole first chapter of Hebrews was written to show that Jesus is not an angel. I mean, there was some ancient cult that that was written to because they were worshiping angels. And the guy that writes Hebrews says, no, you don't worship angels, and Jesus is not an angel. He's God. You talked about the Book of Mormon. Do the Jehovah Witnesses use the regular Bible, or do they have they their have own? They have their own, what they call New World Translation, which is not a good translation. It's, you know, they've changed things like in the beginning of the Word was God to a God for their own theology. So it's, it's uh, if I, I feel bad for people who are Mormons, who are Jehovah's Witnesses, who are Christian scientists, who are into the New Age movement, who are into the Unity Church, which is horrible. Uh, those are groups that say they're Christian, but they deny the basics of the faith. Well, we want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time.
Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor's Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.